This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Previously on Homestale Radio. Uh, I've described it like this. You rose like a salmon at the back post to head powerfully in. Yeah, 45 yard header, that's what it was. <laughs> that's what it was. when I came on the phone. What did you make of Glenn's appearance at uh, centre half? Yeah, he done alright, didn't he? He was, uh, he was a wee bit nervous, to be fair, like going into the game. Uh, it was the first, I think, you know, well, he's, he's a miserable sort of, it's the best of times, <laughs> but, you know, when he got told he was centre half, his face was his face was a picture, but. For all our contact information and to send us an email, visit holradio.net forward slash contact. Hello and welcome to Homestyle Radio. I'm Chris Ambling and I'm your host tonight for our second live show of the season. Assisting me today, I have Ben Nagel. Hello. Hello. Alex White. Afternoon. Uh, and Nick Gillard. Hello. Hello. Uh, we'll be taking a look at Palace's final pre-season friendly out in Augsburg to see how the team is shaping up ahead of a stern test that Arsenal will be providing next Saturday. We'll round up the latest news, visit a new feature and cover as much of your contact as possible. Uh, as well as all of that, we have a special treat. Given our interview with Peter Ramage went down so well last week, thought we'd follow it up with a catch-up with the Palace chairman, Steve Parrish. Uh, we've opened it out over the course of the week for listeners to send in questions, and our interview will be based on asking the questions you all want the answers to even if 20% were about hair, and alarmingly, two of them mentioned sharks. Uh, anyway, we had a huge response, and we'll try and cover as much as we possibly can and credit people if we're able. We're holding another Twitter poll this week. After last week, majority voted in favour of a Selhurst return for Wilfred Zaha. This week's question is, who should play at fullback versus, uh, Arsenal, versus Arsenal? It says, hashtag AFC, it confused me. Um, retweet for Ward slash Mariapa and favourite for Ward slash Williams. So check out at HOL Radio to cast your vote. First up, here's News in Brief. Sellers Park will make its debut appearance in the FIFA video game series this season after it was chosen as one of the new stadiums stadia, to be included in FIFA 15. The game will be released in the UK on September the 26th on PC, Xbox One and PS4. 
Homestale Radio and the Homestale Online will be sponsoring at least one Crystal Palace player shirt for the 14-15 season and we need your help. People who donate £25 or more will be in with a chance of winning one of two very special prizes. The first is going to an end of season event attended by the players and management and the second is a signed shirt by the sponsored player. Every £25 you donate will give you another entry into the competition. Stephen Dobby this week has joined League One side in Fleetwood Town on loan until the end of the season. Dobby, who initially joined Palace on deadline day in uh, January 2013, was admitted from Tony Pulis' squad to America last month. Crystal Palace's first opponent of the season, Arsenal, picked up their first trophy of the season, eh, season today, after demolishing Premier League champions Manchester City 3-0 at Wembley. It's okay because we're technically it's still pre-season and it doesn't mean anything, right? Hmm, apologies for the slightly chaotic news in brief there, but got the giggles a little bit during trying to record it. Um, anyway, just if anyone's noticed, Alex speaks without any gaps between words, and it's really quite distracting. Um, we're going to talk about the uh, ma- give a quick match review of the Augsburg game. Obviously, that ended nil nil, but we're going to start discussing uh, the, the the lineup because it raises a few questions about exactly how we're going to um, you know how we're going to potentially line up against Arsenal if, if we don't make any more signings. Um, so. The, the first port of call, gentlemen, is obviously the Spironi Hennessy debate. Now, Alex, you like to argue, so I'm going to start with you. Um, 45 minutes each again. Um, a lot of people were looking to that game, thinking you know, the strongest indication of who will be starting uh, in the you know in in goal for Palace. Jules started the first half, Hennessy the second. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, obviously, when the when the squad was announced, it was pretty obvious to me that this would probably be the side that, that we'd see at Arsenal, perhaps bar uh, Jerome Williams and, and, and maybe Fraser Campbell. But Sproni starting, obviously, for me, was a, was a big positive. But then to be subbed at half-time again, it still makes you think that Tony Pulis hasn't quite made up his mind. And he's for me, I get this horrible feeling. I love Tony Pulis, but I get this feeling he's waiting for, for Jules perhaps to, to make a mistake or, or find an excuse to drop the great man. Mm. <laughs> Uh, ben, you've giggled. Is it because of uh, Alex's he's phrase? He's a great man. Okay, right. Okay, just check. Well, he is, isn't um, he? Let's yeah, he is. He's, he's an amazing. He's, he's you know he's a playing legend at Palace. So mm. um, no doubt there. But um, I, I kind of I agree with what Alex is saying. Ben, go on. You were going to chip in. Well, I was just going to say. First of all, it's obviously a massive positive that that both have kept clean sheets, and that helps going into the season because you you know you obviously want that from from your team, uh, and I think. You know, all through pre-season, he's been doing sort of 45 minutes each, and and I agree with Alex that he probably hasn't quite made his mind up. But you'd have to say that Spironi is is number one at the moment, and will be, you know, for I think for at least this season. Um, I've quite liked the look of Hennessy, and that's positive going forward. But I think that that Pulis knows that Spironi is still capable of, of being a great goalkeeper at this level, despite his age. Um, and I do think that Hennessy is, is for the future and not specifically this season. But I think it's good to be to be able to see both goalkeepers in action in pre-season. Yeah, um, Nick, you know, obviously it's obvious we're going to pretty much say the same things of how much we respect Jules. But do you think there is a case for Hennessy starting? I really don't know. I'm sorry, that's not very expert, is it? Expert um, <laughs> no. punditry. Um like um, as Alex said, he's, he might be waiting for for Jules to make a mistake. But you, you've got the same situation going on at Manchester City, haven't you? You, you had Joe Hart uh, knocked at, uh, knocked out of his starting place today. So you yeah. know, who knows what these managers are thinking? It, it used to be so much so in, in 
days gone by where you had your, your main keeper and that was it. You know, yeah. and times have changed in football. So, you know, what, what's he going to do for the keeper if they're not playing every game? Do they lose that consistency? And our, our, our friend Wilf used to, if he got dropped, it used to take him a few games to get back into it. Mm. Is that going to affect uh, uh, one of the two keepers if they drop for a week? Or is he going to spur them on? You know, because Jules had a, a massive surge in form once uh, Hennessy had been bought, I, I thought, he, anyway. He did. He, he was probably the best we've seen him, to be honest. Um, go on, Alex. Yeah, I just got a question for you, Chris. If that team lineup comes out next Saturday and you see that Wayne Hennessy's starting, how do you how do you react to that? You personally, do you, would you be disappointed, or do you think, hey, this this is the future? Um, I think the the problem I have, is, I, I would I would be disappointed, but I, I would be disappointed purely on an emotional level. I think because we've all got to accept that. That, the, that there is a time that's going to come that Julian Speroni is not going to be the best keeper at Palace. Um, it really is. It's a it's a really hard one, and it would be easier if Jules had had a fairly standard season last season. You could argue that you know now's the time to try something different. Um, but the trouble is, Jules, well, the trouble is for the management in terms of making decision is that Jules finished the season an absolutely outstanding goalkeeper, um, and I don't think. You can you could drop him at all based on any evidence that we've currently seen. So I think you're right, and you say that it will be a case of waiting for a mistake if if that replacement is going to happen this season. My gut feeling is it will happen this season. Someone yeah, someone said to me that oh, you can't just pick players for sentiment and things like that. But this purely wouldn't be based on sentiment. It, it is based on form that he was an amazing goalkeeper for us last season, and, and probably would have gone down without him at times. So. We have to, we have you know you got to pick him on form really for me. I disagree with you, Alex. Said that um, it's not about sentiment at all. I think it's it's both about form and uh, and about sort of sentiment because there is too much of a sentimentality in Palace fans, me included. I mean, I'm I'm not exempt from that. In that Spurrier has been at the club for so long, and it's just you know you, you want him to to carry on while he's still good enough. I would also just a really quick point. Um, about having two decent goalkeepers to choose from. It's not a problem that, that is solely Palace. I mean, if you look at Arsenal, they've got Ospina in now, so they've got Chesney and Ospina sort of going for number one. Uh, and at Man City, Joe Hart and Willy Caballero are there. So I think it's a problem that, that a lot of um, a lot of Premier League teams have, and it's it's a good problem because managers obviously want two good players in each position. And you know, Manuel Pellegrini before the, Catuang, uh, before the Community Shield today said exactly that. That's what he wants. And every manager, I'm sure, is the same, that they want two players that are capable of, of playing in each position and that's exactly what Tony Pulis has done and it is a, a good problem going into the season. Yeah, I mean obviously you've got to, got to pay a bit of respect to what Julian Speroni's done as well. That's that's the one thing I want to see. You know, Julian give him respect even if he is replaced. So um what we've got coming up, we've got um uh, we're gonna call a, a a listener, James, who's been out in Augsburg. Uh, try and get some insight into the actual game itself. Um, obviously, the rest of us have only really got the highlights to go to go on. So hopefully, the uh, the call will start very very shortly. Um, so there will be a bit of a ringing sound, unfortunately, because we haven't got anything to go to. But uh, I mean, before, before well, we're still talking about that lineup, obviously. And um, well, hold on, there we go. Hello, <laughs> hello, James, Chris, you all right? Hello, mate, you all right? All good, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're we're obviously live right now. We're talking about the Augsburg thing. We've just had a long, long chat about uh, whether to read too much into the goalkeeper situation. Um, but if I can start with, uh, well, certainly your views on on the lineup in general. Well, um, 
from a goalkeeper front, um, I did notice that Wayne did have a much better game um, when he played in the second half than recent pre-season friendlies. Mm. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know whether to read too much into it or not either. I, I, obviously, most of us love Jules to still play. I think he's wasted on the bench. If, if he's not going to play, he should go, really. But, you know... It's, we've got to have someone come and replace him eventually, haven't we? So. Yeah, that's exactly right. I know, I know Lucy was very disappointed that Damien wasn't playing today, though. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? We were trying to prepare the clip of uh, describing Damien, but we haven't quite got around yeah. to doing it yet. But that, <laughs> yeah, that's going to yeah, it's going to feature soon. Um, all right, uh, so Fraser Campbell was obviously um, the first time you've probably seen him, isn't it, mate? How did he get on? Uh, yeah, again... <laughs> like I said to you, I wasn't probably watching all the game as much because <laughs> <laughs> you're in Germany, you're going to drink. Um, but yeah, no, um, it, it wasn't a very good spectacle, put it that way, the whole game. Dwight Gow impressed. Um, uh, Barry Bannon at the post from a free kick and we had a little goal. That's basically summed up the game. There wasn't much <laughs> else to report on. <laughs> Funnily enough, funnily enough, that's exactly the same things that I've written in my notes. So I had Jedanak yeah. booking it there as well. Jed, yeah, Jedanak yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, right, so um, let's talk tactics then, mate. We uh, we saw a lot of long ball against Brentford. Um, same sort of thing, or did we try the counter attack, or were we trying a bit more possession football? Um, uh, oh God, Chris, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> um, I, I think. Again, it's a bit of both. Anyone that's listening that has actually gone and I'm talking rubbish, just tell me. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's a bit of both. We, we did try for a little bit, but, again, just it comes back to how it, it, nothing really made me interested that much in the game other than the fact we were in Germany. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it wasn't it was eye-catching football. It wasn't really dull football. It was just that bland in the middle... I mean, or that, yeah, mate, I do. No, uh, do you know what, mate? I I saw um saw uh, Terence from Red Blue Army just sort of saying yeah. that, um he, he noticed that there were some highlights when on Twitter and he and he just said what highlights uh, <laughs> so it was yeah. it was that kind of an experience so so what should be an easy one for you then, mate? <laughs> um, you obviously okay. it's a stadium to go to um, that you hadn't been to before. You're watching Palace abroad. I just want to hear a little bit about what that was like. What was first of all? What was the atmosphere like? And what was the stadium like? I tell you, the atmosphere is pretty compared. We only had like 150, 200 there. The HF came as well. Um, it was it was really good atmosphere. Considering they, I think they had roughly about seven ten thousand of them. Um, we we outsunned them basically <laughs> the whole time. There were quiet moments, but obviously when, when you've got only 150 of you, it's, that's going to happen, isn't it? Yeah. But um, no, really impressive to watch Palace play in Europe was, <laughs> albeit a pre-season friendly, it was just amazing. But, yeah, just the whole experience of going to Germany, you know, just sights and, like I say, new ground. It was amazing. That safe standing as well, which seemed to work really well um, for them. And, obviously, we're on a, we're on a, basically a terrace with all England flags, you know, Germany 5, England nil. And, <laughs> for that long. England yeah. 5, Germany nil with a Palace shirt and an England shirt. You know, it's really good. Just the whole experience, the last couple of days, been really, really good. Well worth the money. Now, I've been following you guys on, on Facebook and Twitter and stuff. Just absolutely yeah. jealous that like, I couldn't get out there for financial reasons. Yeah. But, no, you look to have had a great time. Um, I suppose last little thing. Um, did you get a close look at the uh, you know safe standing type seating? Uh, well, yeah, we were 
right by it. We weren't in it. Ours was just yeah. terracing. But it is just how it is. It's just got seats and it's got the bars to stand up and rest on. <laughs> it Seems... looks safe. To... I don't know why we just can't have it in this country. Just... Yeah. Seems oh, bizarre, mate. Anyway, this yeah. Listen, mate, thank you so much for, for getting in touch. No worries. Great, great I just yeah. got home as well. <laughs> oh, cool. Quality. That's All a right. long journey. Listen, it thanks. It's a long journey, and I'm looking forward to having a Chinese and going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Marshy. Thanks, mate. No worries, mate. See you later, buddy. Yeah. Bye now. Bye. Okay, so that's what it was like if you were out there yourself. And, um, yeah, we've, we've, you know, it's not a surprise to hear from, from, from Marshy that the, uh, that the game itself wasn't exactly fascinating and stuff. I think those of us that have seen the highlights would have, would have said that. It looked like um, looked like Augsburg had quite a lot of the ball. Um, last little thing, we've we've got a couple of bits. We just we've just talked about Spironi and Hennessy, and I want to talk about who starts up front. Uh, Marshy there mentioned, of course, that uh, it, Dwight Gale impressed him and wasn't too keen on on Fraser Campbell. Um, so go through through you lads. Who do you think? Um, so start with you, Ben. Mm, uh... Yeah, I'd probably, I probably would start Fraser Campbell, to be honest. Um, we've bought him for a reason, he scores goals, and I think he's a player that hasn't really reached his full potential. You know, obviously, he's close to it when he was in and around the, the, you know, the fringes of the England squad and made one appearance there, but he's 26, and I don't think we've fully seen the best of, of what he can offer, and I'm hoping that Palace is the place that, that he'll be able to do that. It's a, you know, it's a great sort of, well, from everything that we've heard, it's a great sort of mentality within the squad. Peter Ramage was saying it last week. You know, it's a really tight knit group, and I think that's exactly you know what you need. I think Cardiff would have been different last season. Again, mm. obviously, I obviously don't know too much about the squad, but going from you know stories that you hear in the press and you know Vincent Tan, all that kind of stuff, and and the upheaval of managers, you'd expect that the that the squad mentality the mentality there is a bit different to what it is at Palace. And I think giving him a chance this season is is the perfect way to go about it, and and hopefully he'll be a bit a bit of a revelation for Palace, really. Alex, if you saw that that attacking lineup, um, starting with Shamak with Campbell ahead of him against Arsenal, would you uh, would you be unhappy seeing uh, was Glenn Murray was on the bench? I wondered what you thought about that. Yeah, I think you know I've got a Glenn Murray bias on the way at some point, but I, I would be disappointed. I think obviously Fraser's a very good player, and and like Ben said, never really has reached that that potential. And one man you want to get that potential out of him is Tony Pulis but the form that Dwight Gale ended the season in the form that he's shown in pre-season I think I'd have to start with him you know those two goals against Liverpool those two goals against Fulham the boys in form and, and I think he can carry that on and, and he's got to get his chance because he got his chance and he took it so he really does deserve it Do you not read too much into his uh, you know, relative failure to, to you know get, get goals like, like, like goals that Murray's got uh, during pre-season? Who's that? Campbell? No, no, Murray. Uh, oh. Sorry, Gail. Yeah. My brain's uh, melting. Yeah, look, it, it's pre-season and, and it's about getting fit and, and running around and things like that. But for me, Dwight really showed in those those last two games of the season that, that he is effective. And if you give him that chance, then he will take it. We said at the start of last season, he's raw. He's going to miss chances, but he knows where to be, when to be. And, and you just see a Kevin Phillips in him. And if you give him a run of, of five, six, seven, eight games, I, I, I can only see a benefit in it. it. Even if it doesn't work out, you've got somebody to turn to who is similar, like Fraser Campbell. And I, I just believe that, that he does deserve that chance. And even the, the stuff about selling Glenn Murray, I, I, I find pretty ridiculous ridiculous as well but that's because yeah. I, I do love him way too much it's quite scary <laughs> I, I agree that selling Glenn Murray would be uh, the wrong thing to do but I do also think that he is 
you know, down in the pecking order of who should start up top. I think Campbell and Gale are quite a way ahead of him in that. Um, I think Murray is sort of really? a player that could come on later in the game. He offers something different, obviously, but I think personally I pr- I would prefer someone with a bit of pace like Campbell or Gale to, to play with Shamak. And I think potentially Shamak and Murray together, although they could score goals, won't get as many as, as having a quick player in with Shamak. Um Okay, uh, Alex. I just I'm wondering if you want to reply to that. I was about to. He'll disagree. Uh, it's just it's just that what you said. You said that Murray was like quite significantly behind Gale and, and Campbell. I'm personally surprised because I I you know I actually would start Murray because he's the guy who's been putting the ball in the net pre-season. But go on, Alex. Well, I, I think so. And he, he's down the pecking order. Is very harsh before the season even really kicked off. We don't really know going into this season what Tony Pulis's first choice strike force will be what sort of form what sort of fitness that they've got but they're very very different I think you put Campbell and, and Gale in one section and, and, and Shamak and Murray in a different because they're very different strikers yeah. that, that, that need each other to play well you saw the goal against Liverpool Glenn Murray chests it Dwight Gale finishes it they are needed one of each to put together to try and create that that perfect duo yeah. up front but I just think I just think you know people say three million pounds and you should take the money for a thirty-one-year-old. But mm. if he comes off the bench and scores us five, six, seven, eight goals this season, then three million pounds is absolute peanuts because that can be the difference between us staying up and going down. Yeah, it's, totally. Uh, but if you want one man on the six-yard box in our squad, if I looked at, it, I, w- I would have to say that's Glenn Murray. Yeah, uh, that's the point I was about to make. And we talk about. I understand what you're saying about grouping in with Chamac in, in terms of the way he plays, but. Um, but I think Glenn Murray can do that role brilliantly, as he just, just you know, quite rightly pointed out. He showed against Liverpool, but um, and he also did it in that there was a pre-season game last, sorry, as uh, an under-21 game last year where uh, Gale scored five, and I think pretty much all of them were set up by Murray. He he can definitely do that role, but for me, he's as good as as the figurehead, you know, as as the guy who's going to put those chances away. Yeah, yeah, Does, doesn't I'm, I'm have saying, never, doesn't have pace, but never has. So I'm, I'm saying he's not he's not your number nine that that you play off the shoulder like a Gale or a yeah, Camp. Yeah. He's not going to beat you for pace. He's not going to get in behind like that. But I'm I'm not necessarily saying he's a target man. He is a traditional centre forward who will score you goals. Give him the chance. If you deliver, if Velasquez delivers a cross, you know you're going to score. And the other thing is, if we do miraculously sign Wilfred Zahar, then playing Glenn Murray up front wouldn't be too bad at all because. Well, you saw what happened two seasons ago. Yeah, exactly. Um, we've got some tweets coming in on this, but I'll go to Nick first. Nick? Interesting. Um, can we still define Shamak as a striker? I thought we kind of decided last season that he's, he's better off sitting behind them, and he kind of admitted, admitted it himself, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he has definitely changed he, to to become a number ten. Uh, you know, in a in a palace shirt. That's a, it's a good observation, mate. But uh, you know, at the same time, uh, you know, actually, I do. You know, I think that I, I would feel nervous seeing him start as as the guy up top trying to put the ball in the net. I just I think he's completely changed as a player, and I think he's relishing that as well. I don't see any need to sort of yeah to go back to calling him a striker. But what I think we we do it because our two forwards. You know, it's one one in behind the other kind of thing. That's how we're, it's not two up top. It's you know, it's a, it's a one one at the end of the formation if you put it that way. And, and I Schmack actually think that's going to change. Okay, I Ooh. really do because I think if you looked at the back end of last season, that that Jednak sort of held that defensive position on his own, and then ahead of him in sort of central attacking positions was Shemak and Ledley. Shemak in more of a deeper. 10 than, than a traditional 10 and I, I really do think that that's actually going to change to sort of a 1 then with a 4 across being 
Puncheon, Balassi, Ledley, and Shamak because that that run of games where, where I think we went five or six, uh, five wins in a row, wasn't it? And I I kind of think that that we might see that again come the start of the season. So that would find for me very difficult to try and get Glenn Murray in a starting position because I can't see him being the figurehead ahead of Gale or Campbell. Mm. Okay, well. Ben's got some tweets for us. If you do want to get in touch with the show today, it's at HOL Radio on Twitter. There is a chat room. There's discussion going on in there. I think Nick's been lurking in there. It's holradio.net forward slash chat if you want to talk with other listeners about the topics of discussion. Coming up shortly is the Steve Parrish interview. But uh, but first of all, Ben, you've got some tweets on the uh, the striker situation. Yeah, I asked who should start against Arsenal, whether that be Fraser Campbell, Dwight Gale or Glenn Murray. Um for a while, it was 100% Dwight Gale because nobody really tweeted in for about five minutes. And it was uh, uh, Timmy, Timmy John Dale said, got to be Gale. Kevin Agostini said Gale. Uh, and Sean Jones said Gale as well. And then uh, from that, we had a couple more opinions. Mike Tim said that he thinks Fraser Campbell should start and then Gale and Murray on a super subs. Uh, Jed says Campbell or Gale because we need a bit of pace in there. Um, Streatham Hayes says Gale every time. Alex McKeon says Gale pace and finishing as well as being a threat from free kicks and can score a wonder goal like Villa away and then to finish famous CPSC says Campbell's the most likely starter with Gale as a super sub well there's quite a lot of love for Gale there something I picked up on during the week sort of noticed a, a, a tweet being discussed by Sheffield Wednesday fans and a couple of Palace fans had retweeted it about them potentially targeting Dwight Gale. So we asked for some opinions on that and things kicked off massively. We actually got some grief accusing us of trying to start rumours and stuff like that, which obviously wasn't the case. But um, but it, yeah, people were dead against. I mean, there was a few people saying it would, you know, a short term loan would do him do him good actually. But um, but no, people were dead against him not being rewarded for uh, for for the ch- for, no, for what he did last season. You know, he just. Re- he he did you know a fantastic thing at the end of the in the year and he he should probably you know be appropriately rewarded for that so that's definitely coming across in those tweets thank you for those um, okay not too much more now I just want to re- sort of visit one last little thing that because I've got Alex on the show was, and and we meant we talked about this uh, you know we've got about three minutes to argue about this uh, your view uh, about Wilf Alex was that. Um, uh, that Louis Van Hal was making a point of challenging Wilf, and he would definitely have a future at Man United this year. And my view of that was different. Um, do you want to put your case across? We've, yeah. Well, the, the initial debate was that I believed that he would he would get his chance under Van Hal, not in a wide position, but but a central position, which which he has done. He played he played two matches. The other argument that, that we debated was was about the the potential value of Wilfred Zahar, if you can remember, and how you were saying that he would be devalued if if mm-hmm. Van Hal said that he wasn't wanted. But my my argument was that Zahar now has reached his his cost his least the least that they would sell him for i.e. seven million pounds probably i believe that wilfred Zahar will not get any cheaper than that regardless of what anybody says about him okay well i mean there's certain things that you do and you don't do i mean obviously the, the cost is one thing i understand your argument i understand that you think that the idea that louis van hal wouldn't say wilf has no future uh, you, you your view was that he wouldn't care if you know, firstly that you didn't think it would particularly devalue him, and secondly that he, you know he wouldn't really care about that anyway. And I say that it's one factor. My view is is that his employers would care, and as a ma- as a manager of considerable experience, he would know that the last thing you do in, in the press is say this player has no future. But it's my view that if he go goes to the press and he says basically paraphrasing what he said, he goes, 
uh, Wilf Zaha effectively won't play out wide. Uh, he'll be playing as a striker, and I've got lots of strikers. So I read, I don't read that as saying, you know, he said he'll get his chance. He's played 45 minutes maybe here and there or whatever. But um, I, I don't see that that's anything other than saying I've already got a load of forwards and you're someone who's going to have to try and play as a forward. Uh, to me, that says you've got no future at this football club. That's my view. Uh, ben wants to jump in, but I'll let you have a response. Surely. Yeah, I don't think Zaha's going to get his chance at United, unfortunately. Obviously, as much as I, I want him to sort of kick on you know, and carry on his, his career at United because that's what obviously where he wants to be and, and where he deserves to be. But I think with the new manager coming in, Van Gaal was quite obvious when he came out and said that he couldn't play him as a winger because he d- couldn't do the defensive job that he needs a winger to do and that he would play him as more of a striker. He's just not going to do that because he's got other players in those positions. And I think there will be a bit of an exodus at United, not just Zaha. I think players like Fellaini and, you know, and a few others will, will also leave. But... It's when that happens, to be honest, is whether he, he will try and get him out in in this transfer window or whether he'll give him a chance and maybe play him through till January and then and then look at it there. But I don't think he'll, he'll go fifteen million either. I, I disagree with, with what Alex said. I think it'll be more like sort of ten million. Um and there was there was obviously rumours about uh, you know, sort of deals being agreed with three clubs, Palace being one of them, West Ham I think another. Um and I think that that's sort of around the right sort of lines I don't think he'll he'll have a massive future at United even though I would like to be proven wrong on that Uh, well just before um, well I'll give Alex his right of reply at some point um, uh, before we go and talk to Steve um, we've got some views from the chat room Uh, King Beer said Zaha's a winger fact if Van Hal puts him in central midfield then he's messing up Wolf's career I don't think he meant central midfield it was as a Attacker, so I think that's got slightly lost in translation. Andy A has said, uh, in response to um, Alex's valuation, that seven million for a player that couldn't get into United squad and did nothing at Cardiff uh, was a joke, and you know five million max. Um, I'm going to stop on that point, Ben. Um, I, I hear, I read this a lot when people talk about Wilf, and it, it, I think it's disrespectful of a player that we we know how good he is. If you're looking at a player who's never played for your club and you don't know a thing about really other than what you've seen in highlights on TV. You could argue that point, in my view. You could say, okay, you know, fair play. He hasn't really played much, and he he didn't pull up trees at Cardiff. He's you know he's lost a lot of value. He's not really, not really done it at Premiership level. Blah blah blah. I said Premiership. I mean Premier League. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but I but we know Nick. We know uh, we know Nick. I just heard him. That's why we know Will. We know what a player he is. We know exactly how much talent he's got if he's correctly motivated and managed the right way. So. Win, you know, he's, he's got to be worth that sort of money, surely. Well, I think to, I? To, to claim that he's worth five million is absolutely ridiculous because he just isn't. That's a fact. Um, you know, he's worth, as I said before, at least 10. And I think to say that he went to Cardiff and did nothing is harsh because he didn't get a lot of time there, sort of got thrust into that situation. Um, and sort of every like all eyes were on him, really, you know, because he had a few months to sort of impress and people were saying that he needed to, to impress Moyes while he was there to force his way back into the United squad. Coming to Palace, I think, would be perfect for him because he knows the environment. He's been there for years and years. Um, and it, obviously, for you know, as a fan of Crystal Palace, that seems like the perfect thing for, for him to do because he'll be able to kick on again. But, yeah, I think to, to value him at, at something like £5 million is is just completely incorrect and shows that they haven't done a lot of research in their view. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Duckman Duck also said that uh, Wilf wouldn't get straight back into our team. He's too out of form and would need to play his way in with some decent sub appearances first. Again, can't say that. Um, well, actually, no, I can see a bit more of that. I mean, Balassi's done fantastic for us, hasn't he? So you'd 
you know, he's come a long, long way. So you'd think that Wilf would have a fight on to take his place. And, and Punchin won us so many games last year. I think, you know, Steve Parrish talked about him at length when we spoke to him last season and said, what a, you know, what an important signing that was for the club. So, yeah, Wilf would have a real job getting past Punchin or, or Belassi to get inside. Uh, Alex, sorry, we did drift. Your right of reply um, on, on what I was saying about the, you know, the likelihood. Hi. I didn't hear any of it, so... Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. I had a power um, cut. Last week, we were very <laughs> professional. Everything was fine. First one, <laughs> Alex comes in. <laughs> just uh, just, just destroys everything, yeah. Um, Without me, this place would be going downhill rapidly. <laughs> anyway, look, we're going to take a little moment away, and when we come back, we'll be talking to Steve Parrish. Are you having trouble getting a seat at Palace this year? Is actually being in the Premier League not giving you the same satisfaction as being Premier League ready? Are you fed up with actually succeeding rather than bottling out and falling at the last hurdle? Then why not get a season ticket for Brighton? Our waiting list for tickets has mysteriously disappeared, so now we have vacancies to fill our seats for 80 minutes of magic. You'll be the envy of all your friends as you get to watch championship-level football and share all the gossip with fellow fans about the Premier League sides you actually support. We have theme days. Our locals still talk about the glory of our Spanish day as everyone turns up dressed as Mexicans and hurled paella at each other. This year we'll be having a special Finnish day to not only celebrate the nationality of this season's manager but also to imagine what it must be like to finish a promotion campaign successfully. By now we'll throw in a blue and white striped jester's hat, a Wembley 2013 scarf, a Wembley 2014 scarf, an inflatable seagull and a super absorbent clapper to not only ramp up the noise but could also use it to hide behind and dry those inevitable tears. So come join us now at FFP compliant Brighton and Hove Albion. We have big attendances and smashing facilities. What more could you ask for? Oh, Steve, it's Chris on Homestar Radio. You alright? Hi Chris. How are you? Good, yes. Yeah, not too bad. Um, okay. Oh, you're a you're a man short on time, obviously, so we'll uh, we'll get straight into it. Um all the, could you say, you know, all the questions this this time round are all based on stuff that uh, the listeners have sent us. So uh, okay. we'll try we'll try and edit to a point where we can if they're a bit blunt. But um, yeah, so we'll just go with that. Okay. Um, so obviously, no start, starting it's, it's a week to go till the season begins. And uh, what what are your current feelings? How are you feeling now? Yeah, you know, confident. I think um, we need to obviously get off to a better start than we did last year. Mm. Um, but obviously, I think we're a lot more. Hopefully we're a lot wiser to the division, there's a lot more confidence in the squad. You know, we're, um, yeah, well, I think, we, you know, we feel we, good, obviously. We'd like to have got one or two more players in before um, before the start of the season. You know, that's probably the same for, a lot of people are probably saying that, but, um, you know, it's not to be, so we're still working on it, and um, I'm sure we'll get there. Mm. Okay. Um, first question we've got in from Tim, and he says, uh, "Would you consider a seventeenth place finish in the coming season a failure on your part, or do you think we should be somewhere a bit near the sort of position that we finished last season? What would you consider to be a success?" Um, I think if we finish seventeenth, it would be okay. Mm. It, it wouldn't be ideal because it tends to indicate that I'd probably be in sort of you'd be under pressure for a lot of the season, wouldn't you? Mm. Yeah. Um, which is which is not where you want to be because you know if you if you're down there, stuff stuff can happen. You know, you can um, get injuries and crucial times. Referee decisions go against you. And there 
there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You know, you can't, I don't think you can really, you know, it's a really comfortable place to end up because of where it would indicate you've been, you know. But um, it's a difficult league and, you know, at the end of it, it's just a minute. It's, it's another step forward for the club, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, we finished 17th last season. Um, it was, it it's a really good question. I'm completely blank. Uh, it wasn't Sunderland, was it? They were a bit higher in the end. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm struggling. I mean, really there's bad. a stat before last season because the season before last, Sunderland was fourth bottom, I think. Yeah. And before last season, four of the five teams that have been 17th this season had gone down the next season. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not a comfortable place to be. Either, you know, during the season or probably going into the season afterwards. So, I think we'd all we'd all feel a lot happier if that's not where we ended up. Mm. Um, but you know, you, you, you're not in control of everything. And if we did end up there, then I suppose it would, it, you know, it would be it would be fine in a way. And we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. And staying in the division is the most important thing. But. Yeah. I think we'd like to be in a position where we feel that we could do slightly better than that. Okay. Um, the f- sort of next set of questions are all sort of re- about the stadium. Um, so you've been uh, using Instagram to show a lot of pictures of what's been going on. Um, but a more general question, it came from uh, Jason and also Boyce on Twitter. He said, um, where are we in terms of the actual f- you know, full redevelopment slash moving? Is there a clear decision on the way forward yet? Um, yeah, I think we've got a direction of travel, yeah. I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that we would, we spent a lot of time on this week again. Mm. You know, we only really want to spend money on a scheme that we feel has got a chance of success. And we've got something really interesting, I think, that, that, that we're looking at and uh, a couple of different options. So we'll, we'll try and progress that, you know, a bit more. Um, but we learned a lot more about it, and uh, we know we're, we're, we're on top of it as much as we can be. Mm-hmm. It's not oh. just in our hands, you know. Yeah, and no, absolutely. Obviously, you, you've got planning consents and obviously residents' concerns for any work that you do. And everyone's talking on the message boards about all the restrictions that they're aware of from past schemes. But um, obviously, I suppose the next question would, would yeah, a lot of that. I mean, I had some absolute. I see some absolute nonsense on there, by the way. All right. <laughs> the stuff where people make these statements like they're absolute statements of facts that they absolutely know that aren't true and it's very misleading for people because the people that make those statements must know that they're not true 
or that sorry, they must know that they don't actually know that they're definitely true. Yeah, and so, absolutely. You know, but um, I, and, you know, this thing that goes around like the, you know the main stands about being condemned and just it's absolute nonsense. Just mm. nonsense, you know, and there's other stuff on there as well, it's not part of it. Anyway. Uh, uh, yeah, so last, last little bit on that point, really. Um, have you got any idea of a timescale? Because when people are, do seem desperate for some sort of idea, some sort of news, but I guess don't you don't want to announce anything until you're certain? Well, look, we've got a 26,000 feet of stadium, actually. Uh, probably our real possible tenants, we've been working on that in summer. With the full sterile area, it's about 25.2. I mean, this was the interesting thing last year when I looked at our stats from the Premier League about our percentage of attendance against capacity, and um, they were they were wrong. Um, well, they're right if we if we say our capacity was twenty six thousand or whatever. But it's, with the sterile area, it's twenty five two thirty something like that. We've done an audit of all the seats in the ground. Of that, you've got that seven hundred restricted view. Um, we've got lower money. So, uh, and we can get that 25,500 if we halve the sterile area, which I think we'll be trying to look at doing earlier if we can, so that we can try and sell those better tickets first, rather than kind of wait till people have bought the restricted view and then do it, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, you know, that's a decent sized stadium in this division. You know, it's not massive, but it's a decent size. In an ideal world, we'd like to put a minimum of another 10,000 on that. And the best way of doing that is probably to redevelop the main stand. We've looked at doing the White Horse Lane end first. You know, that's a possibility as well, although we get a lot of revenue from the boxes. Yeah. So, you know, actually... And, and we, 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 we're looking at some different proposals to do that. So, you know, the thing is, we're not a massive... Um, Things people at the club. There's a lot to do. We run it quite lean at the football club, and you know, in order to do these things, you have to spend quite a lot on professional fees. You know, you look at other clubs. I remember looking at Bristol City's report on accounts. They spent seven million just on fees oh. for their stadium, and they never built anything. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you can spend a lot of money on a planning application if you don't get it right, and you don't want to do that and go through all those consultations and do all that work and spend all that of the club's money, you know? If, yeah, if, if that's... Uh, and we've actually been working on something else that's quite exciting as well. I hope to have a big announcement about in a few weeks. Mm. Um, which I think is really, really exciting for the club, which is another massive, massive step forward for the club if we can do it. Good. Intriguing. Uh, Ian Gregory, he's got the next question. And he said, with planning permission granted for the new temporary club shop, is there any time scale on when this will be built and opened? Uh, yeah, planning permission is granted, wasn't it? It was exciting. Um, I think, you know, we're just going to get tenders now from the varying different contractors. Uh, we might go back and amend it slightly just for the look and the feel of it, because we've seen an idea that we really like that's really funky and I think a bit more us. Uh, we've got a new brand identity that we've, we've, we've built for the club, a new kind of club identity, which is going to manifest itself in a new visual identity, which is being worked on at the moment. Obviously, that's not a change to the crest, so it's working within <laughs> the parameters of the current club crest. Um, but it's just, it's just like you know, the visual for the mouth headers and, and just various different graphics, different things that we use. For me, it's all a little bit corporate and doesn't really reflect us, and it certainly doesn't reflect the research that we've done about what people think about us. 
in, you know, we, we did that research trains all over the world in the summer. We've got the ex-marketing director of Land Rover. He's working with us on it. Um, so, you know, we, we, we saw a total of 16% uptake in, on Facebook likes uh, since we were in the Premier League. So it's just huge how big the division is. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's, I don't know if you realise this, but in terms of overseas rights, it gets something like five times the next biggest league in the world. And, I mean, if you, if you take something like, um, you know, that, that's the league up, by the way, yeah. and and that's tiny compared to, and then, you know, you could, you could, you could buy the overseas rights of a league and the Bundesliga, Syria, and um, uh, the uh, French First Division, the NBA, the NFL, and 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 the baseball, and you still have change from what it cost you to buy the overseas rights to the Premier League. Oh, that's so phenomenal. It's, it's massive globally, and, and we've seen that without doing any work. You know, we've got this massive sort of leap in interest. So we need ways of encouraging that, and obviously we need to build up pent up demand in the you know for, for the extra ten thousand seats in the stadium. You know, we want that for the Palace fans. And uh, so we've got to do a lot of work on that as well. So we've got a kind of whole new brand identity coming in. We want the shop to fit with that. And I think people will be very pleased. It's a real reflection of, of I think, what we are. And, and it's been done in, in, you know, with a lot of input from fans from everywhere. So um, as soon as we've got that done, that will be reflected in the shop and, and everything else. That's great. Okay, um, we're going to move on to, to transfers. Obviously, when we asked for questions, this was the one that we were trying to get the port cabins down. By the way, somebody asked me I'm <laughs> somewhere about the, the oh, okay. port cabins. So, so, um, yeah. so, so the planning commission has got offices above it to the shop for the offices, and then obviously, if we get those port cabins out of the way, that's quite an important step in developing that that, that stand. Yes, because so they won't be able to be there. I saw that mentioned in relation to the new gates. It's like the nicest gates to uh, set a portal cabin you'll ever see. So, <laughs> I can, yeah, I can see what you mean by that. Um, okay, uh, yeah, so moving on to transfers. We did have a, an absolute ton of people contact us about this. Um, we, we've picked one email to kind of represent everyone's comments. Um, but just to quickly name check Patrick O'Connor, David Bailey and, and Matthew Roach, amongst many others who, who sent questions in. Uh, but David's, David Burton's email was that uh, you're on record last year as saying that teams priority via the playoffs are at a disadvantage because uh, they're coming late to the transfer market. Um, and he said that this year, obviously, we, you know, we knew... Uh, uh, much earlier that we'd be in the Premier League, we don't seem to have taken advantage of this extra time. Uh, he said, "Is that a fair comment?" And we know that. Mm. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, that's a good question. Um, so, well, would you say that it's not a fair comment? Obviously, you're, you're working hard on things now. Well, I mean, I think every single situation is different. You know, we don't need as many players now. Yeah, we've got a manager very strong idea of what he wants. Of what type of player you need in this division. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes those players don't come available until things are settled down in other squads. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think last year, you know, we had so many players to try and get, it was very difficult. And I think you'll see that with other teams, you know, they'll go in just to bolster the squads. Whereas, you know, I think we've got a really good nucleus of players. You know, we've probably got a really good, you know, Premier League first 11. And, and a little beyond that, and we have 42 players, by the way, as well. 
Yeah. You know, we've booked, you know, we've booked some more goals with Fraser, and we've, we've, you know, we've got, you know, we've strengthened the centre of defence with Brett, who's, who's played in the division for many years, you know, and, I mean, for those of us who remember, you know, at one time in his career, Arsenal was said to be after him, and I think Fulham had to fight Arsenal off, you know, for, for playing around. So, he's a, you know, we've got a couple of good additions in there. Yeah. But there are other situations that we've been waiting to become, you know, to, to work themselves out. Um, and sometimes other clubs have got to do things first to free up the players that you want, etc. So, oh, I see what you mean. There are things happening. That's not to say we haven't missed out on a couple of players. We did. We're very disappointed with that. You know, there's lessons in there that we can learn about why that happened. Um, and we will learn those lessons as we always do and, and, and try and, you know, do better next time. Okay. Andy on the Homesdale uh, says, is our perceived media image of a small happy to be in the Premier League club, he said, does that sometimes make signing next level players quite difficult or is that not true? Um, I think there's, a, there's definitely a perception problem that, that, you know, we partially overcame. I mean, players want to play in the Premier League this year and they want to play in the Premier League next year. Yeah. I think that... Um, you know, there may be a, a legacy, you know, it takes time for it to seep into people's minds what we are and what we're all about, you know, and those things can, can change. I think with Tony on board, that's a big plus, you know, because he's never been relegated and people have got a lot of faith in him and certainly stopped Rose last year, didn't it, in the division. And, mm. You know, everybody um, saw what he could achieve and he didn't play as he played before and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but I think, yeah, there, there is. I mean, every time we don't get a player, I'm always anxious to find out why not. And if, yeah. and if that played a part, if perception of, of us as a, as, a, as a football club or what we might be about played a part, then, then I'm keen to know, you know. And, and we do sort of, we do try and research all those things. But sometimes, lads, it's just because you don't play the agent enough. <laughs> yeah, I thought that. So there's, there's that, and then there's that, you know, you can, uh, <laughs> you can take your pick. Okay. Hi Steve, uh, Alex here. I'm just wondering, how many more players do you and Tony want to bring into the squad? Do you have a, a general idea, or just whatever you can get? I think, you know, it, we, we probably like four, um, and then may, maybe in a couple of lunges. That would be sort of in that territory. I imagine it's the, the loans you're probably going to have to wait the longest for, isn't it? Once people have sorted out who they want in their squad and that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the loans can often be um, quite competitive because it happens right at the end. I mean, there is a thing in transfers, you know, you kind of almost want to go first if you want to go last. You know? Yeah. So you can either go first you need to know who you want, by the way. You know, if you've got kind of a long list, you know, and then that diminishes because certain people become available early and people want to get their business done early because people like to do that. If you can hold your nerve a little bit, towards the end, you know, there might be less people involved. But that's not the case with loans. Loans, obviously, the people are normally waiting to the end to take them, so they're quite competitive. And there, you know, we've got a lot of pluses as well. Don't just think because we're poor old Crystal Palace, that's what people think of. You know, London's a big draw and, you know, there are a lot of things that, um, 
that going our favour on, on, on loans and on permanent transfers. Mm. Definitely. Uh, the last little thing on transfer, Steve, is, is obviously you, one of the headline things, I think, from the, this close season has been um, the sort of money being spent in the championship, by like £11 million on Ross McCormack. Um, and obviously you've had uh, Brit Asson, oh, I can't pronounce his name, but the Peterborough striker going to Nottingham Forest from League, you know, that's, from, that's a League One player for £5.5 Is There's value for money a lot harder now with, with, you know, when people are setting that kind of value on players? Well, I mean, I don't know if those transfer figures are true, by the way. Okay. You know, I, I don't know what that, is that possible, 11 million, is that, you know, is it 11 million on the nose, whatever. Um, I think people get carried away, personally, you know. Bugley yeah. uh, and I had a dude to buy a Russell Cormac for 750 grand. And, <laughs> and Neil Warlock changed his mind at the last minute. <laughs> um, so, oh. it, it, for me... You know, I, I, I think by, at the point you do that, you've almost talked yourself into, um, you've almost talked yourself into, if I buy that player, we will, these things will happen, we will get promoted, you know? Yeah. That's the dangerous territory to be in. I mean, don't get me wrong, Ross is a good player, you know, very good player. And I think we would have, Sean Kiston would have been way too low for him. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, he hadn't, he, you know, he hadn't been as successful as he subsequently was in the division. Mm. So... Obviously, you know, it's up to other people what they claim that, you know, uh, it's always been enough. Transfer feasible, wages have always gone up, wages have always gone up. It's yeah. football, isn't it? You know? Absolutely. Uh, okay. we'll, uh, we'll move away from sort of the, the transfer side of things and on to pre-season now. We've had quite a few questions in about this, about the, the tours that we've had uh, from Rob, Corey Nexile, Matthew Harrison as well. But Patrick O'Connor, uh, he lives in America, obviously, and he said he met you at one of the... American games, and he wants to know what did you think of, of the Palace tour of the USA? Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was great, really, really good, really positive experience for everybody. Um, so yeah, I think it was great. You know, I think there are some disadvantages. I think it's difficult to be out of contact with the manager mm. for that long. You know, it's difficult time difference and all that sort of stuff. You know, that that part of it's not as not as positive. Um, I mean, I was over there for some of it, so that wasn't too bad, but um, it had its difficulties. But, yeah, no, it was, a, it was a really good experience. It was lovely to meet, the, you know, the fans that I met and find out a little bit about particularly the American fans, what had drawn them to the club and, you know, what they found exciting about us and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, that, that part was really good. Okay. Um, yeah, as I say we've had so much contact from from the US guys. They're all desperate for Palace to go back out there. But um, yeah, uh, say it's the uptake on Homestale for, for particularly in the US. It's been huge, and you're talking about that earlier. So such a big audience now worldwide being in in the Premier League. Um, yeah. Um, but what actually, I, you know, this is a difficult one because we've been asked about it by by a couple of people, Cole Babs on Twitter and Corey Nexile again on the BBS, there was a story that came out in the Evening Standard about bonus payments. Um, it did seem like that there was a bit of sensa- sensationalising going on there and picking a, your quotes with just saying that there's no real problem, but the story went another right, way. Right, this is what happened. Yeah. We had a bonus scheme last year. We offered to increase that bonus scheme. Players didn't, they wanted it slightly more. We had a debate about it. I met all the players on Friday. The bonus scheme is now, the final draft done, It'll be signed Monday, Tuesday. <laughs> Most Premier League clubs ask for an extension to the end of the window. In fact, we got we got the note round today. 
that they want an expensive team into the transfer window. And the reason the clubs want an expensive team into the transfer window is because they want to know, you know, you've effectively got a wage in the Premier League as well. So you need to know what you're going to bring in. But, you know, we, we, we got it sorted early, so it's all done. I don't really know. I spoke to the standard, but they still decided to run it. So. Yeah, no, I thought as much. But, yeah, thanks for answering that one. Uh, sorry, yeah, I think, Ben. I think that's what uh, most people wanted to hear as well, so that's, uh, that's good for the listeners. Um, on to loyalty schemes now. Um, quite a few people again asked about this. Crenoli, Gold, King William, Chilo on the BS, uh, BBS have asked about the loyalty scheme. And Steve Browett suggested that you've been doing a lot of work on it to sort of move it forward. So what are the plans for the scheme this season? Well, I think, you know, it is what it is. You know, we've increased the amount of loyalty points that you get if you go to away fixtures that are less glamorous. Um, we've also added um, uh, we've also added that to uh, merchandise and retail food. Uh, so you can get loyalty points for those things. You know, we have, we have we've done a lot of work on the retail food. Um, and we've got all new tills in and people be able to pay by credit card and contactless and all that kind of stuff. Okay. But, you know, we don't get any. We don't get any sort of return. I mean, I think the food is great. I know the queues are difficult and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, there are areas of the ground where the spend is really low. I mean, it, it, what's really interesting is people complain about the Arthur Way. That's the worst place to try and get food because the concourse is all this, and I agree. But that's got the biggest spend in the stadium on retail <laughs> food by far. You know, the yeah. smallest spend in the stadium on retail food is the Homestead. Um, and we've got a very, very low spend on retail food for the league. Um, so we're trying to find ways, frankly, of just increasing that. Um, and, you know, that's, that's why we've um, we put that in place. We'll see how it works. I think it should be a good incentive. Uh, and then merchandise, I think, I think it's important that, you know, whilst we want to reward you know, the, the loyal people that, that travel up down the country, I mean, we, we did some research. You know, there aren't as many people that go to every game as, as fans would have you believe. You know, there's far more people that are in the kind of five or six away games, you know. Um, so, uh, you know, we need to try and make sure that it's not a closed shop. That, yeah. you know, the people that have always been to away games are the only people that never go. Yeah. Um, you know, so we, and I don't personally believe that it's the only way that you show to the club, you know? Yeah, I think that overseas fans show a lot of loyalty to the club by spending their money. You know, and why, why can't, you know, we've got a new scheme for overseas fans, they're an international member, unless they're going to be loyalty clients, which again, they're spending £350 for the, the shop, or, you know, pretty much for them if they give away, it's either the shop, that will get them a home ticket if they come to England. All right, okay. <laughs> so, you know, a way that international members can feel connected to the club, can feel like they're, a, you know, the membership gives them some kind of privilege. Um, and we've worked a lot on the other things in the memberships as well. So I think with the gold membership, you get priority. There'll be a little window between when the seats get released back that you as a gold member can buy those seats before they go on general sale. So you know when the season ticket period ends, when the seats get released, so you you haven't renewed the ticket, so your seat gets given back to us. There'll be a there'll be a little window window where you can um, you can get those seats if you're a gold member. So we're doing a lot of work to try and drive an increase in membership both home and, and abroad. Um, so that's really what what 
we're aiming to do and, and, and also give everybody a chance to collect points. And, and also, sometimes you need a tiebreaker, you know, for some of the more, you know, for some of the games, you know, we released one set of tickets on a certain level point. Yeah. But, you know, eventually there'll be more people that want to go to those games that will all have those points. Yeah. It's the only way of collecting points is going to away games and going to home games. You know, you've got to assume that most people that go to the bigger away games are probably seasoned against all this. So we're just trying to make it, we're trying to drive, use it as a commercial driver for, for the business. Yep. And we're going to, and we're trying to, you know, make it fairer. I don't know if the right word. I mean, whatever you do with these things, people get upset. You know, I see some of the comments. I realise that it's quite emotional, but, you know, we've got to do the right things that we, we can for the business. And I think that... Given that the main reason to get loyalty points is to try and go to the, you know, the London away fixtures where the demand is huge, yeah. I don't think, therefore, you should get the same points for going to those fixtures as you should if you travel up to Hull. Yeah. Or, a, you know, maybe a Tuesday night or a, a Wednesday night. So we've, 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 we've done a lot of work on that. Um... And, you know, as with everything, we'll monitor it and see, you know, so views are welcome and we'll listen to everybody and see how it works. I mean, we are, obviously we're a bit worried about the queues. We've got to get the systems right so that the loyalty points can be put on when you buy your merchandise and you buy your um, hot dog, your sausage roll or whatever, or your beer. Um, so hopefully if we get that right, with all the new forms of payment and the fact that we've got electronic seals and proper stock, and all that kind of stuff, we can improve the return that we get inside the stadium, which should be good for everyone. Okay, great. Um, yeah, like you say, hard, hard to please everyone. But okay, last question for you, um, so we can let you go. Um, we did speak with Peter Ramage last week, and he was describing the pre-season as the hardest he's ever experienced. But he's incredibly, you know, he's also enjoying it an awful lot. Um, which you know, filled us with a lot of confidence in terms of the preparations at the club. So, as we approach the start of the season, are you, you happy with our preparations and confident of picking up where we left off? Yeah, I think it's been a very good pre-season. It seems very organised, and uh, obviously the results have been good as well. You know, I mean, Brentford, I think the lads have just stepped off the plane, and Tony sent two first 11s, really, to different games and wanted yeah. people to have 90 minutes. That was the most important thing for him. So, you know, I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I mean, I'd be... I'd just be a bit happier if we, if we had a couple of players in, that's all. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, totally understand. I, mean, I just think, you know, for everybody, it would just give everybody a lift going into the new season, and, you know, the money's there, you know, we've got, we've got money available for it, so it's just we're about getting it done. Yeah, absolutely. OK, Steve, uh, we'll let you go now. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we'll no speak worries. to you again soon, I'm sure. Always a pleasure. Nice one. Cheers. Cheers, mate. See you then. Bye. Bye. Cheers, guys. See the stars of tomorrow today. Live commentary from all home development games only on Homestyle Radio. Okay. Um. Obviously, we didn't get to every single question. Uh, very much noticed. Um. Casually tw- checking Twitter as we were going through all that. Um. Quite a lot coming back in. You know, it's, it's a Q and A. It's not really a conversation. So. You know, obviously, it's for there. It's there for you guys to talk about on Twitter and digest what was said. Ben's um, been tweeting out the highlights that we could come up with. Obviously, it's be available as a podcast later on, so you better listen back and to any of the bits that caused you, uh, well, 
<laughs> well, that you, that you found interesting and or judging by some of the comments found offensive. But um, look, there was so much I, I wanted to carry on asking. Obviously, we've got a very limited time. Um, Steve is understandably busy at uh, this moment in time with with an awful lot of things. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I wanted to talk about the, the CPFC documentary, but I couldn't do that, um, mainly because uh, we're, all, we're all on it. So we'd like that to come out. Um, and there's yeah various <laughs> other reasons that we want to get in there. Other things I wanted to ask. There was a lot of questions. Some of my favourites um, were there were questions on um, whether or not we could sell parish wigs, um, whether or not he preferred a shark or a hippo. All sorts of questions that were very you know entertaining, but we couldn't get to unfortunately. But um, I hope it's some information there for you that you've um, found to be useful. Um, clearly, clearly working very very hard behind the scenes. Um, but you know, make of it what you will. We're not really here to, to tell you what to believe or what to think from it all. It's entirely up to you. So, yeah, debate on Twitter is raging and very, very entertaining. Um, so, not much more to say. We're going to end today with a um, with a new feature. It's uh, our blog writer, Rich Foster, um, will explain exactly what it is. But he's written a new book. It's uh, called A to Z of Football Hates, and uh, he's going to do a reading on a sort of weekly basis, uh, which we're going to end the show with. So, um, yep, have a listen to that, and we'll be back next week, 8 p.m. Cheers. Bye. The idea for the A to Z of Football Hates book, which was uh, born out of my love of the game, in fact, having happily devoted much of my life to football and, of course, to Palace, there have been plenty of irritations and bumps along the way, and I felt it was about time that I aired all those grievances. Having decided to compile the list of hates, within an hour or so, I'd come up with 87 things that infuriated me. I was pretty confident there was going to be more than enough material for the book. And within this book, there are heaps of Palace references, from the little ditty about Julian Spironi's disastrous haircut uh, when he first joined the club in H for Haircuts, to Ian Wright's treacherous spell at Highbury when he relegated us with far too much glee at Highbury in X for X Factor. There are also uh, contributions from a variety of people uh, across football, including our very own co-chairman Steve Browett on Plastic, Man United fans, and also uh, club comedian Kevin Day on the horrors of French football shorts. But more about those later. It's not all about Palace. Uh, and the likes of um, former players such as Pat Nevin and Clark Carlisle get uh, to contribute to the book, uh, and they get their say, plus a host of writers, commentators and fans. So, over the coming months, on each of your weekly Homestale radio podcasts, I'll be running through the A to Z, letter by letter, obviously highlighting any mentions of the Eagles. And we'll also invite you to nominate your own football hate uh, and you can do that by going to the competition page on my website which is www.azfootballhates.co.uk or via your usual homestyle radio channels and there'll be a monthly prize available for all who want to get involved hello again richard foster here so starting off uh, very logically with a is for agents as part of the a to z of football hates so agents they are the lowest of the low. Alongside referees and dodgy owners, I should think agents are some of the most reviled people in football. In fact, it would be fair to say that they're not high on many people's Christmas card lists. 
The main problem is that they are seen to be parasites with little interest in the players, the clubs or indeed in football in general. And they're a bit more focused on making money for themselves and also for their clients. Now some of you may think that they're a modern creation, but in fact they were around even at the start of football in the late 19th century. And they helped set up teams like Middlesbrough Ionopolis, who uh, started from scratch and therefore needed people to kick off their uh, player roster. They were not particularly visible uh, until after the Second World War, so having started all those teams back in the Victorian times. Then after the Second World War, there was a certain Bagnell Harvey, who represented the first real playboy of English sport, a chap called Dennis Compton, who played football for Arsenal and England, and also happened to be cricketer, who played for Middlesex and England, so a joint cricket and football international. You don't get many of those these days. Compton became the original Brill Cream boy in a nine-year deal worth £1,000 a year. And Harvey took a relatively modest 10% way back in 1947. Switched to today's uh, agents, or shall we call them vultures, and we see a very different story. Our very own Simon Jordan had a particular bee in his bonnet about agents and blamed the dastardly breed for kiboshing Tim Cahill's signing for Palace in 2004 and ultimately relegating us. Jordan's solution to the problem of agents was characteristically modest and subtle. He suggested that all agents should be neutered. A few ex-Palace players have become agents. The most notable Tony Finnegan, who's still operating, and um, Barry Silkman. In fact, Silkman was involved in a very high-profile investigation which looked at nefarious dealings at many clubs and was headed up by Lord Stevens who Silkman described as a liar, which was pretty strong as Lord Stevens used to be the former commissioner of the Met Police. In fact, Silkman went further saying, I will discredit them like you cannot believe. They will rue the day they were ever born. They're all total liars. And just finally, one of the most recent examples of agents at work was when Yaya Toure's representative, Dimitri Seluk, threw his toys out of the pram after Man City only gave poor old Yaya a cake for his birthday. This was clearly an insult, according to Selleck, who could not resist pointing out that Roberto Carlos had been given a car by his Russian club, Anzi, to mark his birthday. Not just any old car, but a Bugatti worth £800,000. So those are your A for agents, and we'll be back next week with B, which stands for babies. the 90th minute all your mates around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfect order mcdelivery now on the mcdonald's app you in at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com 
And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.